Welcome to House Highlights, a weekly Facebook Live podcast and pod and uh, live cast focused on Maryland politics. I'm Eric Lutke, Majority Leader of the Maryland House of Delegates, and each week I interview one of my fantastic colleagues to help you learn more about them and the work they're doing. You can tune in each week live uh, uh, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Eric for Maryland. Uh, you can watch recorded interviews on that Facebook page as well, or you can listen to all of our interviews uh, in podcast form on Spotify or now just today we got approval to be on iTunes. So if you are Apple obsessed, you can access it there as well. This week we have with us Delegate Eric Barron. Uh, Delegate Barron's an accomplished lawyer whose work has focused on civil rights and equal justice. He got a start as a state and federal prosecutor and went on to serve as counsel to the United States Senate Judiciary Committee and as an aide to a little known US Senator who I'm sure you've probably never heard of, a guy named Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Um, Delegate Barron was then elected to the House of Delegates in 2014 where he serves on the Health and Government Operations Committee. He's now co-chair of the Joint Committee on Fair Practices and State Personnel Oversight, which has been keeping him busy lately. Um, and he also chairs the Prince George's County Delegation. Welcome, Eric, to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good yeah, day. yeah. I appreciate you joining us. Um, it's a, you know, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but it's kind of fitting that, that you're going to be, we're actually not going to do a show next week because next Tuesday is election day. So you're the last interview before before the election and we get to talk about Joe Biden. So it worked out perfectly. All right. Well, ho hopefully that's a good omen. Yeah, it should be. So we'll, <laughs> we'll start out with a, a bit of a softball question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What do you do outside of legislative work? Why did you become a legislator? So um, I was born in Washington, D.C., pretty much raised in the DMV, mm -hmm. lived all around the Beltway, Silver Spring, uh, Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, Bowie. Um, so, you know, pretty much went to school uh, in, in the D.C. DMV area, uh, graduated from University of Maryland College Park. Hey, go Terps. Yep, go Terps, student athlete. Uh, played on the football team, uh, went to uh, George Washington University Law School, um, worked for a little bit, um, went, went back and went to uh, Georgetown uh, uh, for my uh, Master of Laws degree. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, this is, this is, this is home for me. Great. I didn't. I uh, I have Prince George's roots too. Before moving up to Montgomery, I lived in in Fort Washington, but I never caught the Virginia side. You got Virginia in there too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, so election day is next week. Uh, voting's already started. More than a million Marylanders have already voted when we're speaking right now. Um, and you've got a relationship with Joe Biden, one of the candidates for president. You worked for him as a, as a counsel for the committee and then policy advisor. Um, tell it. I mean, you've been involved in the campaign. Tell us what you're thinking about the election, and you know what his election will mean for the country. Well, I'm just, you know, really nervous to be honest with you. Um, hoping that we, hoping that we uh, continue to run up the score, uh, particularly in the battleground states. Um, turnout is amazing so far, so um, that's a that's a good sign. Uh, we just need to sprint through the finish line. Um, you know, working for uh, then Senator Biden was one of the greatest jobs I've had. Um, very fulfilling. Um, you know, with with him, we will have somebody who is genuine, authentic. Um, you know, what you see is what you get. 
Um, and he's the kind of person that, you know, when he's talking about uh, uniting the country, that's the kind of person that he is. He's, he, he's a he was a legislator and is a policymaker who uh, gets everyone around the table, engages all stakeholders. Um, he's someone who has a rapport with virtually anybody across the board. Um, and and as, as I think you know, being an accomplished legislator yourself, um, you can't you 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 can't um, you know take too much uh, away from the personal aspect of uh, of uh, you know uh, getting things done. Uh, even when people don't necessarily uh, agree with you on the substance, um, if they like you and if they don't question your motives, you can actually get more done. Yeah. No, I think you're right with that. I, you know, there have been a lot of um, videos floating around the internet of Senator Biden um, interacting with different people, especially young people. Um, mm -hmm. There was a, a video that was going around the other day of him with a young man with Down syndrome and, and giving him a hug after I think the young man's uh, father had been killed or something. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people are very cynical about politics right now and they question. Right. Is this behavior genuine? I, you have more direct experience than I do, but um, my wife has a good friend who works, who's a Secret Service agent, and was on the senator's detail when he was vice president, um, and you know swears by the senator and Jill as the nice, genuinely the nicest people in the world. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen it in person, but it seems to me like what you see is really what you get with them in a way that it isn't for a lot of politicians. Yeah, they're the kind of people who, you know, will make everybody feel like a million bucks, you know, everybody in the room from, you know, uh, whether it's wait staff to the, the, the VIP, everybody's a VIP with Joe Biden. Mm. I, that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the early lessons I learned, and it came out of my teaching background, right, when you're a teacher, the most important person in a school building, it's not the principal, it's the principal's secretary, it's the staff. Yeah. Right? So I judge yep. people that we work with by how they treat their staff very much so. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm an right. attorney. When you, when you go into the courtroom, the most important person, not necessarily to the judge, but mm -hmm. the clerk and the right. law clerk. Right. Yeah. Those people will take really good care of you if you take good care of them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm excited for next week. I, I you know, I, I kept being nervous, but I, also, I, I, I'm an idealist. Like I love election day. It's like my favorite holiday. So I'm <laughs> But, but you were also, so this, uh, was it January, you were elected chair of the Prince George's County delegation. So now you you help lead the 23 members of that delegation. Tell second us second largest uh, delegation in, in the state, second yeah. to Montgomery County. Um, and I was uh, thankfully reelected last month. Um, so great. I have the, the confidence of, of my colleagues and, and uh, we're gonna do some great things. We've already done you know, it had a, a huge session, really uh, historically for our county. We really brought it home in terms of Kerwin and education funding, uh, school construction funding, mm -hmm. We're in our, uh, this uh, unique and innovative P3 to really inject some funds and some energy into school construction and renovation. Mm -hmm. Great gains within the, the general budget and, um, you know, Unfortunately, the, the pandemic uh, has has come and, and whipped us all. But, uh, you know, 
definitely one of our priorities is to the best we can defend the gains that we made th this past session. Yeah, it seems I, it seems like the county's been on a, a, a bit of a winning streak, you know, for you know for a while now. I mean, really between uh, County Executive Baker and now County Executive also Brooks and the delegation. I mean, there's been a lot of big wins for Prince George's. It's really it's awesome to see, you know. Yeah, the, I was living we're, there. We're the engine. We're coming. We're coming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're 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 all coming for Virginia. That's the coming for Virginia. But I mean, when I was growing up in Fort Washington, you know, if you wanted to go shopping, you went to Alexandria or you went to St. Charles Town Center in Waldorf, right? Right. You've got National Harbor. You've got, I mean, College Park and Greenbelt are going gangbusters. You got a, all the new new stuff going on in Bowie. It's 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 amazing to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're very proud and and uh, putting our foot on the gas. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this session, you're, you're just trying to protect what, what you won last session. You got any new big priorities for the county? Um, we're going we're gonna to be targeted. Um, you know, we're looking at, a, uh, at healthcare disparities. This mm. pandemic has really, unfortunately, highlighted some of the, 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 the same healthcare disparities that we, we've known exist right. among people of color and our uh, more rural communities. Um, and so we've, as you know, we've been as a county uh, disproportionately hit um, through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to use this as an, an opportunity to, to hopefully inject um, some needed uh, healthcare access and attention and funds from the state and, and otherwise into areas where uh, we know there's uh, more of a need um, where healthcare access is lacking. And so that, that will be a statewide effort that we know will likely have a disproportionate impact on jurisdictions like Prince George's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not just, I mean, not just Prince George's, right? Baltimore right. City. And even right. in a county like my county, Montgomery County, right? The, the, the zip codes with the highest uh, COVID impact are absolutely high minority zip codes, right? Right. Right. So, you know, we're looking at bringing back a very successful program uh, from the O'Malley-Brown administration that uh, uh, had uh, that certain areas designated as health enterprise zones. Hmm. So we're looking at um, making that previous program, which was a pilot, making it permanent. It saved a lot of money. It mm -hmm. had great health care outcomes. And so if we take the best practices from that, um, using what we've, we've learned since and through this pandemic, um, we think it's something that is a, a targeted, uh, uh, great high return on investment uh, program that all of us hopefully can, can get behind. And that yes, would, uh, would help all of uh, our, our different legislative districts, uh, particular areas that, are, are, are in really need. Sure. And it fits in well with the, I mean, the larger conversation we're having nationally really about systemic and institutional racism and its impact on communities of color. And, you know, it's not just criminal justice reform, right? right. It's care, it's education, it's exactly. economic yeah. access. Yeah. Well, so speaking of criminal justice reform, you, you've been um, uh, fairly involved in some of the conversations around that. I mean, you sit on the health and government operations committee, do great work there, but you've also been uh, kind of one of the key players in the criminal justice reform discussions. Um, what are some of your, what are you hoping to see the legislature do this year on criminal justice reform? 
Well, first, I, I really want to give a shout out to our house speaker who has has really stepped out there and is leading on policing reform um, with the start of the, the the establishment of the work group over the interim, and um, you know she's she stepped out there and 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 is leading on um, some things that we really need to do uh, as far as policing reform. I think. Um, uh, one thing that in that area that that hasn't got as much attention, but but should and is is really needed is is ensuring um, that there's public access to records of police misconduct. Mm. Um, you know, most law enforcement, uh, the bulk of law enforcement, does a great job under under you know really tough circumstances, but when there are bad actors. Um, the public needs confidence that things are being handled appropriately, and you can't have can't have proper oversight with without transparency. And so, um, been working on the issue of of uh, expanding the Public Information Act for the past few years now, and hopefully, hopefully this year is is the time and the opportunity. Um, we can't shield records of police misconduct. Um, those records have to be open. And even prosecutors, the Maryland State's Attorneys Association has made it a priority because even they don't have access to certain records. And so they're not able to properly uh, prosecute and, and hold you know, officers accountable when they do do wrong. Mm, wait, so you're saying, and forgive me if this is a naive question from the non in this conversation, uh, one of our state's attorneys wants to prosecute a case of misconduct and can't necessarily get information from previous accusations of misconduct because the records are shielded. Is that what's going on? That's that's correct. That seems crazy. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So, you know, that's a uh, that that's one you know institutional you know quirk in our open records policies that we really need to look at changing. So working with Gabe Acevedo and, and a number of others on um, the Judiciary Committee to fix that. And outside of that, um, you know, mass incarceration, we are incarcerating way too many people unnecessarily and, and it's wasteful. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think there, there's a lot of room to do some things that are evidence-based and 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 able to do do them safe safely. So, uh, looking at um, uh, your geriatrics, uh, those who uh, committed offenses as juveniles, mm -hmm. uh, there's some evidence-based ways that we can empower a court to take a second look at people uh, who have served a significant amount of time. Um, and and maybe in a position where they have been rehabilitated uh, and are outside of the, the range of, 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 of folks that we know still need some help and, and mm -hmm. they need more incarceration and, and, and rehabilitation. Um, one of the reasons why I'm on uh, the healthcare committee is because so many of our criminal justice issues are actually healthcare issues, mm -hmm. if you think about it. So I've been hoping to to bridge bridge that gap between uh, judiciary and, and healthcare, and and hopefully help folks understand the difference between the two. 
Yeah, we just, I mean, we just saw that the other day with, with the, uh, the killing in, in Philadelphia, right, of a young man who's mm. apparently experiencing um, some sort of mental illness, right? Right, right. Ended up, you know, dead, right? Um, that happens way too often. Yeah. yeah. So let, let, let's, let's uh, treat healthcare issues and, and, and instead of thinking that we can continue to incarcerate ourselves out of uh, you know, uh, for people who, you know, have mental health issues, have uh, uh, drug addiction issues, um, these are things that we should be taking care of in other ways and more cost-effective ways uh, than we do now. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, and it's, I, I'm glad that, you know, you're talking about it and advocating on it. Um, it's something that I think the general public hasn't been aware of. I mean, it just, um, you know, I teach undergraduates at College Park, and and I teach a course in the fall, and we always have a unit every year on uh, mass incarceration and criminal justice reform and all of this stuff. As I teach is focused on identity and privilege and how that affects the public policy process. But one of the first things I say to my students is, you know, I ask them is, what's the largest provider of mental health care in America, right? And it's the prisons, right? Yeah. And what's the number one cause of death in prisons? It's suicide. Right? Mm -hmm make that connection, you know? Right, right. I think mental health treatment is one of the best things we can do to, to you know, uh, help reduce the prison population, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So working with our, our caucus chair, Delegate Jazz Lewis, mm -hmm. on, on uh, you know, some, some second look uh, legislation. So looking forward to that this, this next That's session. great. That's great. Hopefully he's not working too hard right now because his wife just had a baby. But <laughs> I don't know. He's been slow to respond to uh, text messages and oh. uh, lately, so he, he may not be getting much sleep. I bet he's not. I bet he's not. All right, we're we're gonna uh, switch up to some some uh, little more fun questions. We're gonna we've started doing something uh, called legislator true or false. Uh, so I've got three true or false questions for you. The first question, true or false, you are the most relaxed member of the Maryland House of Delegates. I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I've, uh, I think I've been through, been through a lot since a, a, a young age, and um, I just really try to concentrate on uh, what I can control, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, concentrating on the things I can change, saving my, my voice for things that are really really important um, and praying about the rest, um, hopefully supporting my colleagues who are working on a variety of, of uh, important issues around the state. Well, I, I'll tell you personally, I love that about you, man. I'm a little bit jealous that you're so <laughs> all the time, but it's, I mean, it's a great uh, attribute to have for a legislator, right? Because the high <laughs> everything, but you, you never, I, I don't think I've ever seen you sweat. It's amazing. <laughs> Okay, our next one. True or false? You have served as president of just about every bar association in the state of Maryland. <laughs> it, it's false. It may seem that way. I'm uh, I'm definitely a uh, what they call a bar junkie. Okay. Um, the 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 bar association, the organized bar of attorneys, has just been a really great way uh, to provide community service and pro bono um, and socialize with with like-minded attorneys. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's what I've been doing uh, nearly since I've been out of, out of law school. But one, of the, one of our colleagues uh, who's been a longtime mentor was actually 
um, the one who really got me started in the bar, and that's uh, Delegate Deborah Davis out of Chelsea. Mm. I didn't know that. That's great. So you met uh, Delegate Davis right out of school? Uh, maybe a few years out um, when I was uh, an assistant state's attorney in Prince George's, and I, I visited a local bar association, uh, the J. Franklin Bourne Bar Association uh, mm -hmm. of their events and talked to her and she said, you know, you ought to get uh, apply for this uh, fellowship program with the Maryland State Bar Association. Um, and so I, I took her advice. I've, I've since become president of the J. Franklin Bourne Bar Association. <laughs> and now I'm a secretary of the Maryland State Bar Association. That's great. That's a small world. That's funny because so when I became I was I was involved in politics and advocacy in high school and then I went to college and I cared a lot more about the party scene than, you know, advocacy. But I got back into it after college. And one of the reasons is I became a teacher. And during my new educator orientation, I walked into a training session about teachers as leaders. And, you know, who was teaching the session, it was Bonnie Collison, who was president. Oh, wow. The time. <laughs> She's the one that kind of sucked me back into advocacy and, and set me on this path. Nice. <laughs> All right. So here's the most, I mean, this is the most high pressure question oh. of the night. Okay. Um, okay. Used it as, as social media draw for people. <laughs> More about the Washington Metro system. You or Delegate Mark Corman, or I, no, sorry, I messed this up. It's true or false, true or false. You care more about the Washington Metro system than Delegate Mark Corman. Ooh, um, it's a tough one. I really, uh, and I'm not trying to punt, but I, I think it's even, I think it's even. <laughs> um, but I'll say this, no one knows as much about the Metro system than Delegate Mark Corman. Um, and so, uh, we are, uh, we're, we're pals and we're really, uh, I love to support and, and work with him. We're of the same mind uh, about transit and the importance of Metro. And um, I, every session I, I, I look forward to seeing how I can support him and the work that he's doing uh, to better improve the system. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think he has memorized the location of every brick in every station in, in Metro, but but it is, I mean, it's a great partnership between you two, given how important the system is to both Montgomery and Prince George's. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember growing up before the Green Line extension and the, and the Blue and Orange Line extensions were finished in Prince George's. And, you know, that has meant so much to so many communities. I mean, Largo. Right. You know, so um, stay tuned. Next session, uh, we'll have a Metro special for you. We are, uh, you know, uh, intersecting transit with criminal justice and policing policy, and um, you know, Metro's doing been doing some work on uh, uh, reforming its its own uh, police uh, accountability and oversight. Um, we're gonna we're gonna push them a little bit with the help of uh, DC Councilmember Robert White. Uh, we're working on legislation to. Um, and make some changes to their citizen review board. That's great. That's I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay. Well, so final fun questions here before we close out. So, uh, your favorites, and this is not a high pressure question. And so the the it's actually a, a three sub part question, which as a lawyer you'll appreciate, right? Okay. So first of all, what's your favorite place in Maryland? 
What's your favorite food in Maryland? And it doesn't have to be an iconic Maryland food. It could be any food in Maryland. <laughs> and then what's your favorite pop culture related Maryland thing? Movie, music, book, whatever. Um, I mean, I, I love where I went to school uh, and, and love going back, College Park, University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great, it probably depend, maybe depends on the season in Maryland. Um, uh, I love going to Harford County and, and, and seeing the sunflowers uh, uh, around September of every year. They didn't have that this year because of the right. pandemic. Um, but there's a lot of, Maryland has so many so many gems. It's it's hard. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in Prince George's and 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 pick uh, my alma mater. Um, University. A good choice. It's my alma mater too. So you know, I can't argue. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna be boring and see, you know crab cakes. You know that. Okay. It's it's Maryland. Obey. You know mm-hmm. I know delegate David Moon doesn't like Obey, but you know, I'm. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think the bigger issue is his fight over mumbo sauce. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, pop culture or film, you know, there was, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in Prince George's or Prince George related um, basketball County, which is an amazing documentary that came out uh, this year, actually a few months ago, hmm. uh, you can, you can see it on demand on Showtime. It's mm-hmm. called Basketball County in the Water, produced by uh, District 24's own Kevin Durant. Um, and it's about the, the culture of youth basketball in Prince George's. And mm-hmm. the county really has just churned out a, a, almost yearly just amazing basketball talent um, mm-hmm. throughout the nation. From uh, We're talking about from Len Bias, to you know, Kevin Durant. Um, there's a number of current uh, NBA uh, players playing right now. A number of you know, past players. Um, we 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 have uh, kids going to, to play basketball in schools throughout the country. Of course, it's Morgan Wooten and Demantha. Um, it's really uh, you know an amazing phenomenon that. Uh, Kevin Durant actually explores in this documentary called Basketball County. So I, I would invite you and, and, and the viewers to, to check that one out. It's really yeah, I'm absolutely going to check. I hadn't heard of it until you brought it up. You said it's on show. Yep. Showtime. Okay. I'm going to check it out. That, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I, with, with that and, and a great movie recommendation, uh, Eric Barron, so much for joining me tonight uh, i appreciate it um thank and, you uh, yeah and uh, let's good luck to all of us over the next week before the election right amen pray yeah. <laughs> see you all soon right. well, have a good night all right